the loser panics, the victor makes the decision. I am paraphrasing a non-investing book named The Elder Empire by Will Wright, which I was reading while the SVB bank and stock crash unfolded in early March. The author wrote this about a battle between humans and godlike monsters. However, I found it a thousand percent relevant and applicable to investing when there is a stock market panic, such as the SVB meltdown. Many investors panicked and sold their financial services of stocks in response to the SVB bank's failure, pushing broad sector ETFs such as Vanguard Financials ETF to carry VFH down by 12% in the last month. Regional banking ETFs such as IAT had even the worst time and dropped by more than 30% in less than a month. Those double-digit drops qualify as broad panic. So what do winners and smart investors do if losers panic and sell? They act the opposite and invest. That's exactly what we'll discuss today. My name is Hoda Mer, founder and CEO of Stockard, and on this YouTube channel, I share detailed fundamental analysis and interesting investment stories. And the SVB's failure is an indeed an interesting investment story. Before we jump into which stocks or ETFs are worth by now, let's recap what we know about what went wrong with SVB. Knowing the reasons will help us avoid other banks suffering from similar issues. The first problem with SVB. Like any bank, SVB's customers deposited their money in their bank accounts. SVB had $175 billion in deposits. Logically, the money is the customers, and the bank should return it to them anytime. But that's a lot of billions just to sit around and not do anything with it. So the Federal Reserve asked banks to keep 10% of their deposits as reserves in their vaults and Federal Reserve bank accounts and put the rest of 90% to work. SVB invested the money in treasuries and other safe assets and bonds when the interest rate were quite low. As the interest rate rose, the value of those low interest investments dropped. When new bonds pay higher interest rate, the old ones that offer lower interest rates have to be traded at a lower price to compensate for their lower interest rates. If SVB wanted to sell those bonds and assets at the current market value, it would have lost billions of dollars in asset value. The bank actually did sell some assets and took nearly $2 billion in losses on its balance sheet. To compensate for that loss, SVB decided to raise more than $2 billion in investments, triggering the red alerts that the bank's balance sheet may be in trouble. The rest of the story is all about human psychology. We, we've got to stick together, though. We've got to have faith in each other. But my husband hasn't worked in over a year, and I need money. How am I going to live until the bank opens? I got doctor bills to pay. I need cash. I can't pay. People panicked that if the balance sheet was in trouble, the bank might not have enough cash to give people their deposits back. And because most of the deposits weren't insured by the FDIC program, the good old bank run depleted the company's 
bank account of enough deposits that its balance sheet was in real trouble now. So the number one risk we would want to avoid is that bank with a significant portion of its balance sheet invested in low interest assets. The second problem with SVB was that it had a very concentrated set of customers in technology and biotech startups. I actually lived in Silicon Valley for a few years, and this is a very tight community, all connected through numerous Slack channels and WhatsApp groups. The line of communication is very informal, and news spreads so fast. Additionally, the startup founders are supported by a network of venture capitalists and investors whose primary purpose beyond investing in companies is to protect them against the world. It is very common for investors to send letters to the companies they invested in to warn them of market risk or other macroeconomic issues. This unique characteristics of the SVB customers led to widespread and rapid reaction to the bank's balance sheet problems in a matter of hours. As a result of the panic in a small community of founders and investors, on Thursday, March 9th, more than $40 billion of the bank's deposits was withdrawn. As in investing, concentration is good when things are moving up, but destructive when problems arise. SVB's customer concentration was its recipe for success for many years, and it also became the cause of its dismay. If we want to invest in banks that don't have the same risks as SVB, we should focus on banks with diverse customer bases. The third problem with SVB was its size. The bank was the 16th biggest bank in the United States. That's big, but not enough for the government to quickly step in and save the bank. If it were one of the major banks, such as JP Morgan Chase as an example, the government would have most likely not even waited a day to announce that people's deposits were safe. In the case of SVP, it took a handful of days for the government announcement to come. Had the government stepped in on Thursday, March 9th, when the withdrawals started and just said that deposits would be safe, the bank wouldn't have failed and the panic could have been averted. So when it comes to banks, bigger is always safer, especially those crucial to the country's economic stability. I started this episode with one quote, if you remember. Losers panic, winners make a decision and act. If we want to be a stock market winner in the face of this market situation, we can act in three ways. We can ignore it, especially if you're long-term investors. Market cycles are investors' reality. We can't control it, so we can wait for it to end. Second, we can take the opposite position to the market by investing in banks that don't have similar challenges to SVP. And third, we can take the risk and invest in banks that are perceived to have similar problems as SVP, but in reality, they are in much better shape. Doing nothing and ignoring the market's reaction is the easiest way to deal with this market situation. You put the stock market chart in front of you, zoom out and see that the market has always recovered after seemingly impossible situations, and then you relax. 
The second way to act is to invest in banks and financial stocks and ETFs that don't suffer from SVB's challenges, but are available to invest at a lower price due to the impact of SVB's meltdown on the overall financial sector. You want banks with no balance sheet problems. You want banks that have a diversified customer base. And ideally, you want a bank with the government superpower behind it. Let's discuss which bank stocks fit those criteria or which ETFs hold them. But before giving you stock and ETF ideas, remember you should do your own research. This video is to educate and entertain you and is not investment advice. To help you, I even built a stock card platform that gives you high quality but digestible information about stocks and ETFs. So head on to stockcard.io and start your own research for free after this video. Also, a promo code is in the comments if you want to upgrade to unlimited access, but you don't have to upgrade. The free version is great to start. Back to our stocks and ETFs that won't go belly up like SVB. Our first choice is obvious, and that's the big banks, JP Morgan Chase, ticker JPM, Bank of America, ticker BOA, Citibank, ticker C, and other top large banks in the United States. These large banks meet all the criteria we discussed earlier, and you indeed can buy them at a better price today versus a month ago. For example, JP Morgan Chase is traded more than 10% lower than its 52-week high at one and a half times the price to book value. Bank of America is an even better choice, but a price to book value lower than one. By investing in these banks, you may not be able to double or triple your money, but you get a stable company at a better price and get paid some dividends too. Talking about large banks, only a few days ago I noticed Roundhill Investment, which is the company behind some of the interesting thematic ETFs such as the Metaverse or sports betting ETFs, launched a new ETF that invests in big banks only. The ticker is BIGB, Big B, making it easier to pick up those big banks to stock in one scoop with excellent low fee of 0.2%. I'll leave a link to the Big B ETF in case you are interested. Finally, we are down to the third way to act as a stock market winner in response to the SVB's meltdown. We can invest in crushed regional banks that are less risky than SVB. For example, take a look at US Bank, ticker USB. This is still the fifth largest US bank, but it is present in only 26 states out of 50 for its individual and commercial banking business. The company's stock price is close to its 52-week low of $36, falling more than 20% in the last month and nearly 40% in the last year. Like SVB, USB had invested its assets. If priced today, as per market value, the bank will lose 60% of its core capital. Core capital is the company's assets on its balance sheet to run its operations. This capital loss potential is half of the SVB's loss, which was 120% of its core capital value. Based on an interesting chart circulated on Twitter by famous hedge fund manager Michael Berry. However, in case of a bank run, the company will most likely get immediate protection from the government since it is the fifth largest bank in the U.S. 
the overall market psychology isn't as bad as the SVB situation. U.S. Bank has a very well diversified source of revenue from banking to lending to wealth management and payment processing and more. For disclaimer, I picked up nine shares of USB in my beaten down portfolio on March 22nd. It's a very small amount of money, of course, and it's more like a bet on the eventual recovery of the fifth largest US bank with a solid business. I leave a link to my beaten down portfolio in case you'd like to follow and get notifications when I find the next beaten down stocks. Beyond US Bank, you can also invest in regional banking ETFs. We talked about ticker IAT, a regional bank ETF down nearly 30%. S&P regional bank ETF, ticker KRE, can also be a good pick. It's down 25% in the last months. Both ETFs have low management fees of less than 0.4%, and investing in them would reduce risk while allowing you to benefit from the market's concerns about regional banks with at-risk balance sheets. Now it is your turn to pull up the stock card and ETF card of the stocks and ETFs we discussed today. Of course, I'll leave all the links in the show notes in case you want them. Do your own research and share which stock or ETF is a better investment in the current market so we can all learn from each other. I'll see you next time. 